for your inflammation is brought to you by your local Armed Forces Career Center. Want to move to California but can't afford it? We've got you, bro. Ladies and gentlemen, live from coast to coast, we proudly present For Your Inflammation with Zach and John. Tower, this is Ghost Rider requesting flyby. <laughs> Welcome to Foreign Your Inflammation, a podcast about good movies, better cocktails, and best co-pilots. We're your hosts, Zach Graham. And John Kaplan. And in an act of shameless corporate synergy, we are presenting to you Top Gun from 1986. This is not a movie that I ever thought we would probably cover on here. Uh, it's not a favorite movie of mine, but... As we all know, because, uh, you know, YouTube ads won't let you forget, Top Gun Maverick is coming out this week. Yeah, no, honestly, I, I think to go back, I, I think that you're, you're better off using the term wingman than uh, than co-pilot in this particular case. Or uh, maybe Rio, which, uh, again, being a huge aviation nerd, it's kind of an antiquated term. I think it means rear instrument operator, but I don't actually know that. So, co-pilot is not actually, like, the person that's, like, helping the pilot. It's, like, a completely separate job. Yeah, if you're in an airplane that has, like, two pilot seats, then that would be the co-pilot. But, but uh, those types of aircraft don't have two, like, you know, uh, joysticks. They don't, they don't have two control sticks. Right. So, who gets to be the co-pilot? Is it, like, someone who hasn't been a pilot for long enough? Or is it, like... Just like they rock, paper, scissors for it because it doesn't matter. They're both pilots. No, as I understand it, uh, the, the guys that actually control the plane, that is their job. And the guys in the backseat control all of the uh, the other stuff. You know, they got like a bunch of like advanced gear in there. They got like weapon systems. They got like cameras and radars and stuff, you know, so like that that's their job is just to do that. Right, right, right. So we're talking about fire pilots. I'm thinking about like commercial jetliners. Oh, that, that guy, yeah, that's exactly what you think he is. He is there in case the pilot can't do it, but he is he's, he can also fly the plane for sure. He's just legally not in charge of the plane when he is acting as the co-pilot unless the pilot cannot do it. Right, which could be for any number of reasons. Yes, uh, see the movie Airplane uh, for, for more information. <laughs> see the better movie, Airplane, for that. That's a hot take. <laughs> that is a hot take. <laughs> It is a hot take, but it is the one I'm making. So let's get right into it. Before we started this episode, I was talking to John and we realized John has actually seen this movie in full before we decided to do this episode. And I have not. Yeah, so that's a big switcheroo on you there. Got to do the uh, the the inverted 4G dive. You know, hey, got to get a got to catch a sneaky on him. You got to give him the bird. That's what I did to use that. You're the MIG. I, I'm, I'm the Tomcat. It's not the first time I've been called a MIG. It won't be the last yeah, time. I probably should not <laughs> yell that out loud. You know, like at, at people, they, don't, they wouldn't understand what I mean. <laughs> They'd be like, I don't know what that means, but I think it was a slur. I'm not sure. Right, right, right. No, no, it's totally believable. But yeah, yeah honestly, I was just as surprised as you were to find out that you had not seen this front to back at any point before this episode. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those things where like, so I grew up a Navy brat, so... And my dad was definitely the prime age to be watching this at that time. He was like 22 years old and in the Navy already. So like this was like prime, prime time for this movie to be like his favorite movie. So like I just never saw it from front to back. It's it's always been a movie that kind of like 
bored me. Like, I'm glad that I finally watched it through so that I know it's not good. But I'm also... I could have gone my whole life without watching this movie all the way through and also buying it. Uh Oh, so you did buy one. I did buy this on 4K. Don't don't get it twisted, though. It was only it was the 4K Blu-ray and it was only like, I think, seven dollars when I bought it because I was like, "Eh, Top Gun 4K, seven bucks. Eh, Sure. Okay, yeah. Add it to the collection. It makes sense (laughs) that you would have put off buying this one just out of like, you know. Uh, I I don't know some kind of angst I guess I don't I I, I can't relate I um my dad was in the army <laughs> not the navy so it was like uh you know platoon with Charlie Sheen I I don't know uh what 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 other uh, a saving private Ryan that's so long ago though that's not even like relevant I don't even think there are a lot of movies except for maybe like Jarhead about like Desert Storm um black hawk down oh, that's true uh he actually was deployed in somalia for that believe it or not Did, fun fact that's insane yeah, he was there he wasn't like you know doing that thank god but like you know it was yeah he, he was there <laughs> we just get real sad on the audience real quick oh, yeah you, you just you just start trauma dumping <laughs> and, and, you know what they had it coming they 100 percent had it coming you came here to watch top gun you know what happens at top gun and you didn't think we were gonna have something for that come on Goose. So, um, I got, gotta ask then, like, uh, you know, knowing that this is kind of a, um, it, it's a big military, like, movie, you know, as far as, like, the, the Hollywood scape goes. I mean, like, how did you feel about it? I know that's not really, like, a, like, a huge thing for you. You don't really watch a lot of, like, war movies or anything. So, like, well, what, what did you think about this? So, it's not even that I'm not into war movies. It's just, like, because some of the some of the best movies ever made are like prestige war films. I think it's just more like I don't like war so much and I'm not very big on like military stuff not that I don't support the military and that I'm not thankful for them doing what they do. I just it's you know it's just not something that's like on my day-to-day radar. So when I watch movies like this that are so clearly like pandering to the military you know, it almost feels like an advertisement to me in some ways. Oh, I see. Okay. I mean, it's not the first time that this has happened, you know. Like, there's a lot of, uh, I mean, honestly, you could even call it like a like a millsploitation, you know. Almost like a, there's a very specific reason that a person oh, will come absolutely. watch this movie. I think that's more what you get with a movie like Jarhead. I don't think I've ever actually seen Jarhead either, but I know what it's, I know what it's about. That's okay. Like, but it's like, <laughs> you know, it's a little bit more like that where it's just kind of like, it, it's, like it's such a bad way to put it but it's like it's like military pornography like if you're into military shit this is a movie just for people who like military shit kind of like in the way that like uh like a starship troopers movie is like that but just for sci-fi action people like it's just sci-fi action porno at a certain point right 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 but it always seems like they're not even so much pandering to people that are in the military so much as like that guy that wanted to be in the military but couldn't or like always said he was going to go into the military and then chickened out at the last minute. It seems like they're making it for that guy. It's very much like the Punisher t-shirt, like Monster Energy tattoo crowd. It seems like they're always made for that person. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Um, I think it's really interesting that we see this now for like the LGBTQIA plus community. You know, like you have a movie like uh, the new uh, a Gay Imagining of Pride and Prejudice by Taika Waititi apparently is coming out. See, I think that's cool though. Oh, yeah. Like I almost feel... Like, I almost feel like that's different in a way because it's like you're you're giving you're giving stage to a group of people that previously, like even 20 years ago, didn't get the same stage. Or if they did, it was in a very exploitive way, almost in the same way where like 
black exploitation became such a big deal, you know, after, you know, uh, Brown versus Board of Education and all that kind of stuff in the 60s and 70s. Like, that's kind of why you started seeing that. Yeah, there's also not like a multi-billion dollar gay industrial complex to worry about. So, you know, there's not like a there's, there's not like a gay recruiting film you know, thing going on like there yeah. could be with these. I, I'm just really interested to see when they do this to the Top Gun movie and they re-release Top Gun, but it's gay. And the only thing that they change is they make Goose's wife like a, you, you know, they just Photoshop in like Woody Allen or something. <laughs> these are very hot takes you're bringing, sir. Look, the only thing they'd have to change about it is Goose's wife. Just just replace Meg Ryan with Woody Allen. That's, um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's all you hashtag, gotta do. Hashtag canceled. Hashtag we're canceled. We're hashtag canceled now. <laughs> now we're canceled. Okay. I, <laughs> so, um, what? How did you feel about like the flight scenes? Like, this is kind of like the thing that sells this movie, and it's the thing that was groundbreaking about this movie was some of the flight photography that they did was like really innovative. It was super innovative, and like it's um. I mean, it's astonishing the way they did it because, like, these are real planes. Like, this is not CGI. Right. Like, they they actually filmed real naval air fighter aircraft. Like, it. I mean, and in that regard, it's astonishing that they were able to do it. And especially for it to look as good as it does because they actually had to use a super 35 millimeter camera instead of a... Uh, like a normal like 75 that they used for the rest of the movie because the 75 would not fit in the cockpit. Mm-hmm. So they actually had so like the the movie looks as cohesive as it does is pretty astonishing to be honest. Yeah, honestly, and we'll talk a little bit more about this I think when the new Top Gun movie comes out. But uh, being a guy that works in aviation and a guy that lives here in California, I actually know a few people who worked on the new Top Gun movie. One of the things that they talk about the Top Gun movie is like all of the stuff they had to do to get the shots the way that they needed them to. And that's with digital. Like they said, they were like putting cameras inside the jet in different places. And like they had to figure out how can we safely fly this jet with all these freaking cameras on it? Cause it, like, it's not designed to like, they have to get like engineers to help them out with that stuff. Because like, I don't know, we've never done it before. We've never put all these cameras in all these places on a plane like this. So I don't know. This is like a first for me, man. And that's how it, that's how it is every time. Cause like how many times do you actually get the opportunity to do something like that. And to think that they were working with like, film film here like like physical media like film <laughs> and they had to make that work in this environment it, it's crazy no it's absolutely crazy yeah so like the the way they made this movie i mean obviously they never make a movie this way again and we'll talk about it here in a little bit but um i think there's another thing i really want to talk about with this movie and um it's a maverick is such a douchebag <laughs> uh, you know what now we're hashtag canceled <laughs> no, 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 no. I think this is real. Like, the entire time I was watching the movie, I was like, this guy is a total fucking doucher. <laughs> you, you think like, so? Like, why am I supposed to root for him? I, well, I think he's, he's, he's not really an underdog character, you know, but he's not always, he's not even really that lovable. He's, he's not really a, like a good guy either. He, he's, he's, I don't know. He's like a, he's just, he's the shadow, the hedgehog of military movies. I guess so, but it's just like, god damn, like, th- from beginning to end, like, he's just such a cocky douchebag. And I think it's another instance where we can actually put this into words. Um, This is another one. This is another one of those movies where uh, the bad guy is right. Uh, or the antagonist is absolutely right. Like, Iceman is a class act, 100%. Like, he's, like, 
is he kind of like being macho standoffish? Yes, but he's also young, so I can forgive that. Some of the things that Maverick does, I can't forgive. You know what's crazy though? <laughs> but it's like, like we say he's young, but like they are our age. Like people that go to to like do that advanced training and stuff are in their late twenties or early thirties. I yeah, I know. It's just like, ugh. Yeah, like think about that. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's terrifying. Um. <laughs> It's terrifying in a way where it's like, I can't even imagine myself in that position. And then I think about it from the opposite end of like, wow, what am I doing? Yeah, right? I'm here. <laughs> they're doing this. I'm here on this podcast. I'm putting it out onto the, the internet radio waves. Um, I'm, a, I'm here. For, I'm the podcast for the people. This is the people's <laughs> podcast. <laughs> now we're canceled in Russia again. Fuck. Thanks. Um <laughs> So anyway, yeah, it's like so. Iceman is right. Like Maverick is dangerous. Yeah, no, he he is. Yeah, I, Iceman. Hey, you know what? He's out of line, but he's right. Exactly, and it's like you know maybe the takeaway I took from this movie and what I think they want us to get is that sometimes being the hero doesn't mean winning all the glory and the accolades, but doing the right thing no matter what the cost. It, but like, just don't be a douche about it. Yeah, no, I I see what you mean. So, like, it's just, I don't know. And then the other thing that, like, just got me really hard is, like, the sexual tension between Maverick and Iceman is just, like, so palpable. I was like, how is this not the romantic story of the movie? Like I said, Woody Allen instead of Meg Ryan. Um, you know, uh, I cannot remember the actress that plays the uh, that plays uh, the, the doctor, you know, the, the professor or whatever. Um, uh -huh. Replace her with... Uh, just Tom Cruise, green screen, current Tom Cruise with a wig on. So Tom Cruise God. can make love to himself. I mean, that's probably what he would prefer. But it's just like, just the amount of times they get way too close to each other's face and they're just sweating. I'm like, this is very homoerotic, which is something that you find in a lot of 80s movies. Oh, yeah, especially action stuff. Yeah, it's like, this is, this is gay. And not in like a, not in a derogatory way, but just like, this is and again, the best part about, you know, having a movie that is uh, here for the LGBTQ plus crowd is that there is not a multi-billion dollar gay industrial complex backing it up. <laughs> what is backing this movie up? Another thing that I noticed when I was watching this is I was like, man, this is like so like basic, but especially like some of the lines. But then you realize like, oh, that line is from this movie. Yeah. Need for Speed. Need for Speed, uh, Negative Ghost Rider, j just so many. There's just so many lines in this movie that are iconic that we use in like everyday vernacular. And it's just like, I, I haven't watched a movie like that in a long time. And also, I don't think a movie has come out that has done that in a really long time. Uh, maybe we're just maybe we're just less catchphrasy. You think so? Yeah, like as a society, like, I mean, like we still have like, you know, dumb stuff that people just say all day, every day. Yeah, they're called memes. Like, yeah, memes, but, like, there's not been, like, a catchphrase from, like, a movie or a TV show that I think just, like, sticks in the popular culture. Yeah. Or other than maybe, like, the last one I can think of is Bazinga. Oh, my from, God, today. From Big Bang Theory. Today I was driving around. I was driving, and there was a guy who was clearly homeless, pushing a shopping cart, wearing a motherfucking Bazinga t-shirt. <laughs> And I was so, that, I was that, so uh, I did not know how to feel about that. Like it's some like giant cosmic comedy. <laughs> You're just like, oh, I've been priced out of my home in California because the cost of living is skyrocketing and people don't know how to live in this hellscape. Bazinga. 
that man deserves better than a Bazinga t-shirt. Let's get him, let, let's get him like a Golden Girls t-shirt or something. Not that I particularly like the Golden Girls, but just something better. It's better, better than Big Bang Theory. It's sir. Most things are better than Big Bang Theory. You heard it here first, except folks. for Young Sheldon. It's yeah. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, Big Bang Theory is better than the Golden. Not better than the Golden Girls. It. it we got to move on. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so. I'm just glad that shows like that are coming to an end. Sort of. Big Bang like, Theory um, or Golden Girls. Big Bang Theory. Just it's just dumbass sitcoms like that. I can't wait for Chuck Lord to just like retire. So we could stop getting this shit. Also, I'm really glad, like, just in, like, a, um, in a mean-spirited way, I'm like, I'm so glad that stupid This Is Us show is ending after this season, because I'm tired of hearing people talk about it. I've never even seen it. I don't know anything about it. I'm gonna keep it that way. It's fine. It's, it's the new, like, Grey's Anatomy type show, where it's just, like, a, like, a overheady drama. It's, it's bad. It's, I, I'm just ready to hear, stop having people talk about it. Because I'm an asshole, and that's what I do. I hate on things. That's why I have a podcast. We are professional haters, sometimes professional haters. I, I would say we're professional. We don't we don't get paid for this. Sponsored by rats. <laughs> we we say we hate This Is Us. We say we don't like Top Gun, but yet we love Toxic Avenger. It, it's a weird duality being a film nerd. But it also means that you can be good at other things, too, like our good friend John here is very good at making cocktails. So, John, I'm going to hand it over to you. All right, cool. Well, uh, I, I think it would have been really easy to do something like uh, Super Tropical. You know, uh, th this actually takes place in Miramar, California, which is just north of San Diego. If you ever, like, drive down the highway through Oceanside, that's essentially where this is taking place at. That's where the Top Gun School used to be. Um, now, I think it's all a Marines base now because everything there has Marine Corps signs on it like half the town of oceanside is just like marine corps base now which is funny because oceanside actually like if you think of like the place where rocket power takes place that is oceanside oceanside looks like that you know i <laughs> i don't know why i always thought rocket power took place in hawaii that makes a lot of sense actually <laughs> i mean I, I i i see what you mean there i think if there were any yeah, place that were not southern california it would have to be hawaii yeah like i <laughs> And what's worse is that I should have 100% known that because uh, me and my uh, doormate in college, we, his girlfriend bought us like all of Rocket Power on Amazon Prime for some reason. And I think we watched it nonstop. Like if we weren't watching Rocket Power, we were watching Blue Mountain State. Mm, that's, that's quite a combo. That's quite a combo. <sighs> exactly. Also, speaking of, I know we got to get to the cocktail, but... It's something I learned the other day. Did you know Rugrats takes place in California as well? Um, you know, it doesn't surprise me, but I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, like, I didn't know that either. Like, there's nothing too specific to, like, tie it to that. But uh, I saw proof, and it's like, oh, yeah, 100% takes place in California. That's fucking weird. Oh, how about that? Okay, well, I mean, yeah, not the cocktail, not this movie, but uh, the more you know. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, the Top Gun school is not in Miramar anymore. It's it's, it's not in Oceanside. It, it's in Fallon, which is, like, some middle-of-nowhere place in... Nevada, I guess the the cocktail there is just light beer or amphetamines. I, I don't know. Um, it's <laughs> completely different from what we're doing here. So uh, what I made here was kind of a uh, a play on the Southern California, Northern, like Baja, Mexico thing. Maybe we were doing a, a cocktail called the Miramar Sunrise. Ooh. And you might think that it is inspired by a tequila sunrise. And in form, you may be right about that. But uh, here's how you make it. So you want to start with like 
a tall pilsner glass, maybe something with a little bit of a base on it, not like a like a straight down pint glass. Although you could make it in a regular pint glass if you wanted to. You just want to have a bit of volume because this is going to take up a little bit more space than other cocktails. Uh, fill the glass with ice, stick it in the freezer. All right, so this comes in three stages. Um, in the first stage, you'll take your shaker, put some ice in it. You're going to put half an ounce of vodka, half an ounce of raspberry liqueur, and a half ounce of triple sec. Uh, you could also sub out the triple sec with Cointreau if you have Cointreau. Have fun. Uh, do what you want. If you're, if you're going to buy Cointreau, put it in there. You may as well drink it since you bought it. Um, go ahead and shake it up with ice, and then you're going to strain it out into the glass, nice and easy. Let that uh, mixture settle to the bottom. It's going to be red. Okay, so now you're going to take, go back to your shaker, rinse your ice, half ounce of lime juice, half ounce of lemon juice, one ounce of orange juice, and you're going to shake it with ice. Strain it out in there, nice and easy. You don't just want to dump it in there because you want it to rest on top of the red mixture with liquor in it. And then you want to top it with lemon-lime soda. I use Sprite, you want to use Sierra Mist, you want to use, I don't know, Shasta, Cola, Lemon Lime, whatever you got. All right, cool, that's fine. That works. And there you have it. That's the uh, the Miramar Sunrise. You can garnish it with a lime wheel or a lime wedge if you want. That's cool. Uh, it's a, it's a kind of an easygoing cocktail. It's not super boozy. If you wanted to booze it up a little bit more, like I said before, you could use Cointreau instead of Triple Sec. That would up the ABV. Uh, since vodka is such a neutral spirit, you could uh, maybe take something overproof. Like maybe a hundred proof vodka and use it in there. Uh, maybe use an overproof rum if you like the flavor of rum. I think this would work well with rum as well. A, a lighter rum, I think uh, you might be able to get away with using like a, um, I don't know, maybe a uh, like a gold rum or uh, even a 151 if you're feeling crazy. Uh, then you start getting more into like tiki territory, which is fine. But I mean, uh, the, the flavors are there. Yeah, it's got options if you like that. But for me, keeping it simple, that half ounce of vodka is what I like. Beautiful. I mean, I can't. I I would have never thought to do any of that. So. Props to you, sir. Oh, well, thank you. Well, thank you. That is why I'm here. Oh, speaking of why we're here, we're here to talk about movies, and we don't really like doing the synopsises. It's not really, like, a fun thing for us. So we do outsource, we do outsource our synopsis to our good friend Frank Synopsis, and we're going to welcome into the show now, Frankie. Welcome, baby. Oh, hey, how's it going, buddy? I'm feeling really, really good today. Oh, fuck. This was a day I was not looking forward to. Uh, so, Frank, how you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. I, uh, just a little hungry on my way in. This is, this trees outside. You got this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful landscape here. You get to ground on the ground. You got the fruits. You eat the fruits. You feel real good. They went sitting there a little while, but I don't mind too much. I don't, I don't mind too much. Oh, yeah. Frank, those pears have been sitting outside of the studio for, like, I'd say three years. Uh, we don't. We don't have a gardener here. We can't afford that shit. Um, but like um, a care figure. This is a little three years young. This is really, really good. I thought it was great. Oh God. Okay. So I am now in fear for my safety. Um, Frank, did you have a chance to watch Top Gun? I see Top Gun years and years ago. It was great. I lo- I, I, I love Top Gun. Yeah, I, I love Top okay. Gun. Uh, okay. All right, he the, the man loves Top Gun. Why don't you tell us about it really quick, Frank? My favorite thing is about Top Gun is that it's a movie with that there's got guns in it and they're 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 real good. The the Top Gun movie it's a pretty there's pretty man play pretty flying play really good. It's a good Top Gun. Top Gun's is a school where he does a fly the plane with the other pretty man says, "Hey, pretty fly man, really scary time." But like it's really dangerous. He goes fast as a danger zone. Pretty man. He has sex with his teacher. I don't know how he didn't get in a lot of trouble for that. I'd say you can see a lot of documentaries on the internet about that. They're not, it doesn't always work out that way. 
I know that was really good for 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 the for the for the man in the plane. His friend doesn't. His friend doesn't. His friend dies, and it's in a plane, and that dies. He still, he still loves the plane, but he's sad about his friend. And I, I didn't like that part of the movie, but it's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty bad, but really, just really sad about that. He flies. He flies again, and he flies again. He goes to the. He goes to danger zone. This is Kenny Loggins showed up. It was. It was. It was. It was a good time. Well, that. That 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 is surprisingly Top Gun. That that is actually just the plot of the movie. Um, thank you, Frank. Uh, we're gonna call you a cab. Thank thanks for that. I yeah, no bus today. I don't I don't think the bus is gonna take you today, buddy. Uh, if we had a secretary, we call one. Uh, John's calling you a cab right now. Uh, go go ahead and wait in the lobby, Frank. Uh, cool. I'll I'll be back. I will be. I'll, I'll be uh, back again. You think I'm right. gonna be back? Just like Top Guns. Top Guns coming back. Top Guns coming back, baby. Woo! Uh, all right. All right. Um, we would like to take this time to remind you to uh, drink responsibly, and also, um, if you're going to eat fermented fruit, uh, do that responsibly as well. Uh, John, are you safe back inside the studio and have locked the doors? Yeah. 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 Um, you know, I never. I never knew Frank to be a drinker. I thought he was kind of like one of those high on life kind of guys. You know, I did too, but I guess all demons just die hard. You don't you don't get to be 140 years old for, without uh, selling your soul a little bit. Is uh, all demons die hard like the final installment of the Die Hard series? Old demons die hard. Coming to a theater near you. Get better, Bruce. <laughs> all right, so let's move on in the episode let's i'm gonna go over some like just like very like basic info about this movie it's kind of boring but it does give you a good sense of who the players are here just so that just so that you know going forward all right so top gun was directed by tony scott who also directed a movie i love true romance which was written by quentin tarantino uh the film was written by the writing team of jim cash and jack epps jr uh, they are responsible for films like Dick Tracy, Turner and Hooch, and uh, the Flintstones and Viva La- Rock Vegas. Uh, so they can't all be zingers. No, they can't. Uh, <laughs> what was it? The uh, the Raspberry Award for uh, worst wor- worst score went to the Flintstones. Uh, that might have been the original. Um, I Flintstones and Viva Rock Vegas is a sequel. Oh, I see. Did they have like a ZZ Top soundtrack? Uh, no, it was um. It was done very cheaply, and it's um, not even the same cast. Like, none of the original cast returned, and they said it was like a prequel. And it's uh, it's bad. It has its fans, but it's bad. They can't all be the live-action Scooby-Doo movie. So, Top Gun... <laughs> so, back to Top Gun. Uh, Top Gun is based on an article called Top Guns by Ahad Yane. Uh guess they didn't stray too far from the apple on that one. No. Uh, and it's produced by the producing team of Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer. And if you know who Jerry Bruckheimer is, that's because you've seen National Treasure. They did a lot of uh, movies in the 80s, including Flashdance, Beverly Hills Cop, and The Rock. You mean to tell me that Top Gun is not the National Treasure? <laughs> I know some people would like Danger Zone to be the national anthem but it cannot be it's that actually a pretty good, good pick to... I, I think if we had to pick another song to be the national anthem danger zone's a pretty good one let's face it what we deserve is call me maybe as our national anthem you know what? that's what we deserve <laughs> I, I, that's such a throwback that that's such a wow okay that 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 hurts a little bit to hear that that was over a decade ago <laughs> 
Oh, don't fucking remind me. Let's get speaking of let's let's talk about people who are older than we are, just so that we can feel better. Um, so this movie stars Tom Cruise uh, as Pete Maverick Mitchell. Uh, Tom Cruise needs no introduction. Even if you haven't seen a Tom Cruise movie, you know who the fuck Tom Cruise is. He's he's crazy Scientology man. He, he, and now I'm gonna be murdered. He doesn't like to talk um, about it. <laughs> turns out, don't don't bring it up around him. <laughs> Uh, it's Kelly McGillis as Charlie Blackwood, uh, Val Kilmer as the Iceman, and uh, Val Kilmer is the goddamn Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, Anthony Edwards as Goose, uh, he was also in Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, Tom Skerritt as Viper, he was uh, he got his like start on Mash, and uh, this is actually one of Meg Ryan's first roles. Uh, she was she plays uh, Carol Bradshaw, who is Goose's wife. Uh, she's most famous for starring alongside Tom Hanks in Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail. Oh, that's great. Uh, this is not the one where uh, Tom Cruise's body, or not Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks's body is inhabited by a 13-year-old and she bangs him anyway, knowing he's a 13-year-old. No, that's big. And th- those are big facts that you just spit there. Um we don't talk about we that. We don't talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. We aren't going to talk we, about we that. That's, the way, that's why this podcast exists. We ask the hard questions. Again, the people's <laughs> podcast. <laughs> where, Where is the big sequel? Where is it going? Where's the big sequel and where is it going? You know what? Sure. Yeah. Where is it? Let, let's just go ahead and throw that one out there in the universe, people, so they can bring us a sequel of that one, too. Just like, uh, what was it? Uh, Viva Rock Vegas. The sequel probably no one asked for. It's a prequel, first of all, and second, <laughs> let's not talk about it anymore. Um, so the music for this film was done by Harold uh, Faltmeyer. He does mostly, like, TV show stuff. Nothing of particular note. Uh, sorry if you're listening. Uh, production company was uh, Don Simpson, Jerry Bruckheimer Films, obviously. Uh, distributed by Paramount Pictures. It was released, uh, well, it had its premiere on May 12th, 1986 in New York City. And then premiered to the rest of the world on May 16th, 1986. Uh, its budget was around $15 million. And the final box office return after re-releases is uh, $357.1 million. Now, please can we say that we finally have a slam dunk movie in the box office? This is a slam dunk. This is like two basketballs going into the basket at the same time. I don't know if it works like that. Is basketball like pinball? Is it pinball rules? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You get both balls in at the same time. <laughs> I've never had both balls in at the same time. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's get into talking about this movie. Um, so this is a more typical route for a movie than what we usually cover. Uh, this is not an auteur film. Uh, the producers set out to make this. Uh, so the name of the game is Cash. Uh, so Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer were coming in hot off of Beverly Hills Cup, which made about $316 million at the box office, which was mostly due to the popularity of Eddie Murphy in that film. Uh, he had already been in a couple of like classics, like 48 Hours in Trading Places, as well as like a very successful stint on SNL, like pretty much saved the show. Uh, but they decided they wanted... So Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson decided they wanted to make a movie about Navy pilots after reading an article in California Magazine, creative title, titled Top Guns by Ehad Yane. Uh, they were inspired by the cutting-edge aerial photography, and they thought, hey, motherfuckers would love to see that shit in action. And the article uh, also mentioned that the city that the naval, that naval station Miramar was in was called Fighter Town, USA, which can be directly linked to, like, the feel of the naval base in the movie. 
it's definitely like it's someone who grew up on a base well like for a little bit of time like we would stay on base like if we had to if we were waiting for a house or an apartment to come up Uh, i can definitely say like this feels like a base like it feels very small it feels like everybody knows each other it's almost like a uh fucked up delinquent mayberry in a way yeah um i don't have a lot of memories of living on bases uh when i was you know old enough to remember things i don't think my family actually lived on any of the bases so i like i i went to a couple but like you know i i didn't really have that experience as a child right like and i don't really remember i just remember being on the bases a lot because uh there used to be like a cool pizza place and a bowling alley there that my dad would take me to and then i'd go play on disney.com on the computers oh nice that's like uh, the most fun thing you could probably do on a navy base oh for sure for sure uh, <laughs> he actually uh, i remember this now for whatever reason uh he wouldn't let me do it but whoever like the people in his command were would let me and he just wouldn't know about it oh like play on the computers <laughs> Yeah, they were like, come here, kid. You can play on the computer. Nice, yeah. No, working on government computers now sucks. Yeah, they figured it all out. <laughs> they were, uh, and I was like, oh, man, like, these people are so much older. And I'm like, that kid was probably, like, 18 years old. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got, like, 18 to 21-year-olds that are like, yeah, 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 come on. That, that guy, like, for yeah. sure, for sure is getting up to absolutely no good off shift. <laughs> Like, again, like, we were talking about this off the show just, like, before. Like, when you go to places, like, there are lists of places you are not allowed to go because people from the base have gone there and bad things happened. Like, they have lists of places where people that live on that base cannot go because they get into that much trouble. Well, hey, you know what? It's like they say, if you don't have a rule written based on something that you did... Did you really live? Mm. Yes, you can live without being like that. I promise. What's the rule they're going to write for us? <laughs> the rule that is going to be based on our lives, John, is that we cannot allow a world war to be started by two idiots doing a movie podcast and pissing off Putin. You know what? You're episode right. after episode. There's going to be a lot more regulatory oversight on the podcasting community. <laughs> Just McCarthyism two podcast boogaloo. Oh man, there's gonna be like a like a CIA KGB thing in the podcast community. They're gonna go to like the podcast convention and they're gonna be there as like uh, fans, but they're all just doing like a, a secret agent like gotta assassinate the uh, the podcaster or like you know the other side's gotta like stop them from assassinating the podcaster. I can just see the book that is written about this time of history podcasting. When has free speech gone too far? No, that's not, that's not the angle we can take with the book. No, this, this is dystopia. Speaking of books, let's talk about the screenwriting. So uh, the producers offered the screenwriting job to many people in Hollywood who all turned it down because they said it sounded stupid. Mm. However, Jim Cash and Mike Epps said, yeah, we'll write that shit. Um, so in order to research the movie which a lot of screenwriters do especially when it's not like a passion project they're just being brought in they went and attended a declassified flight school and actually got to fly in an f-14 while researching the film that's funny that that's that's a good imagine being that guy imagine throwing up all over the back of like what do they call in the film a 30 million dollar aircraft (laughs) which is probably low ball and again having been around a little bit i can i can tell you firsthand if you are flying in a high-performance aircraft for the first time, you're going to puke. Uh, so when Cash and Epps gave their first draft to Simpson and Bruckheimer, they rejected it. Probably because it actually had some substance to it. 
I'm guessing they were like, mm, this isn't Con Air enough for me, even though Con Air hadn't even come out at that point. Oh, yeah, there's not enough uh, sweaty, mostly white, late 20, early 30-somethings playing beach volleyball. In jeans? In jeans? Full jeans. Full jeans. D- d- they just went full Abercrombie and Fitch ad with that. Like, I, I, I'm convinced that that's all that had to be. Y- you know what? <laughs> um, yeah, there may not be a multi-billion dollar industrial uh, what is it uh gay industrial complex but damn it they sold some abercrombie and fitch jeans with this movie god damn the only thing they could have done more to sell those jeans is if they just had him like go into like a go back into base housing and then just like fuck the shit out of some girl that's in there they would have sold so many jeans they already talked about him and the admiral's daughter that's true they sold a lot of jeans this is not good (laughs) (laughs) this is not good this is not good uh corporate synergy feels gross um so so don simpson and jerry Bruckheimer sought out the approval of the u.s navy for the script because you know it's like ah we're making it about navy guys maybe we should consult them and they did and uh they had notes Mm, good they had notes if only we could (laughs) do this with every group of people we try to make movies about isn't it would that be crazy it, they're starting to now, which is way too late, but they are starting to now. Do you think that um, when they make like a, um, like, oh, what is that? That film production company that does like uh, family faith church movies, like, uh, what is it? Facing the Giants oh, and stuff Oh, Pure like- Flicks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, do, what, do you, what kind of notes do you think they get? Um, They go... Anyone not right, Christian, conservative, bad, us, good, make movie about that. I see. Do you think they have like uh, somebody, like a test audience be like, I think that the son looked at that other boy just a little too long. And I, <laughs> I cannot in good conscience present that specific portion of the film to my family. And then they come oh, over here I'm to sure. watch Gay Top Gun, you know, where we have the only <laughs> Tom Cruise in a wig banging tom cruise <laughs> gay top gun let's do it along with gay forest gump that movie needs to be greenlit now gay forest gump <laughs> i may not be a smart man but i know what dick is i, I think we're oversimplifying the lgbtq <laughs> cinemascape <laughs> we are and uh there's a lot of good maybe maybe we should do some for next month it is pride month that would be good oh hey um, there's an idea um fans hit us up let us know do you want to see more lgbt films this month not not you know not to pander or anything because i think that corporations do that enough that's why we ask but- them we have to get their input just like they got the navy's input and they told them don't make it in cuba <laughs> exactly uh what John's referring to is uh, the opening scene was actually supposed uh, in Top Gun, by the way. We're back to Top Gun. Uh, yeah. The opening scene in Top Gun was supposed to take place in Cuba, and the Navy said, uh, no, this is undisclosed international waters. You know, just like they do everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think the budget for Cuban sandwiches at craft services would have been a little too high if they had actually made it in Cuba, you know? Or if that, like they couldn't get a good picture of the inside of the cockpit because of all the cigar smoke. <laughs> redacted um so there was also a lot of uh foul language in the original script and the navy said uh hey you need to tone that down because you know no one swears in the navy no of course not. Um, that's not that's not a whole meme <laughs> oh exactly <laughs> um there was also a scene where an explosion of a airplane happened on a flight deck and they said uh you absolutely cannot do that yeah that's kind of messed up uh, in the, in the same way that, I mean, you know what though? 
I think that maybe this was too close to, um, oh god, what was that ship called? Um, the USS Forrestal. Yeah, no, the okay. USS Forrestal, they, they had that happen on the flight deck at the end of Vietnam, I think. And so that would have only been like 12 or 15 years behind this movie. That was like a huge tragedy for the Navy. Oh, okay. Well, then that actually makes sense. I, I understand that. I mean, I understand it in general because they're also using actual Navy aircraft and actual Navy ships. So there's that I can too. understand them saying, <laughs> I can understand them saying, uh, yeah, no, fuck you to that. Absolutely. Fuck you. Um, but no swearing, but fuck you. Right, 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 right. <laughs> They also wanted to change the character of uh, Charlie, which is the love interest of the film, uh, because in the original script, she was just a female enlisted member. Um, so they were like, hey, can you change her to a contracted civilian? Because we actually have this cool rule about officers and enlisted members uh, being prohibited from fraternizing. Yeah, no, that, that, that is that is a real thing for sure. You know, just like anywhere else in, in the professional world, it's like you can't bang your boss. You're not supposed to do that. And so when you have like, you know, like a like a, I, I guess it's like freely defined in the military, you know, so like your officers are like clearly supposed to be the ones in charge and then the enlisted guys are supposed to be the ones clearly getting the job done so like don't bang your boss i guess we can't have that in the movie they said because god damn it if we can't if we can't have this character be a smart funny independent woman who takes down a dangerous pilot she's got to at least be fuckable come on bro that problematic uh 1987 <laughs> pre-9-11 filmscape yeah well i mean that's 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 probably exactly what it was it's like well what can we make her so she's fuckable? Doctor. <laughs> doctor. Make her a doctor. <laughs> you know what, though? Good on them. <laughs> they act, the, the, I think they actually, in all seriousness, I, I think Charlie's character is actually pretty good. Like, yeah, the acting is kind of still through whatever, and she still has that kind of like, you know, yeah, she's the love interest energy, but uh, I, I think that they uh, they did a pretty good placement for a, a woman in this time, if they're going to oh, have absolutely. a strong female character. Like, like, all jokes aside, like, this is, like, 75% of the way to the Bechdel test. Like, it's like it's pretty good for 1986, especially for a movie that is heavily targeted at the male audience. However, like, there is way more, like, shirtless man stuff going on in there than, <laughs> than that audience would lead you to believe. Beach volleyball jeans. 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 Nice jeans, too. Nice jeans. Like, they weren't even, like, ripped up or anything. What do you think? We got, like, uh, lucky jeans? Is that what we're dealing with here? Listen, I've been fat my entire life. I don't know what the fuck nice jeans are. I get Wranglers or Levi's. That's it. They're the only people who fuck with us. Nice jeans. <laughs> this episode brought to you by nice jeans. <laughs> <laughs> wear them to church <laughs> or don't don't wear pants <laughs> nice jeans the only <laughs> jeans you can wear to a funeral um <laughs> jesus christ this episode is completely off the rails let's get into the production the navy offered up f-14 jets uh from fighter squadron vf-51 aka the screaming eagles and they also offered up the USS Enterprise for filming. Oh, that's really interesting. Which, yeah, I had to actually look that up. I was like, that's got to be a joke, right? Nope, it is legitimately the USS Enterprise. That is a carrier. Yeah, there have actually been a few of them. And I think that's what the Star Trek thing is based on. Because, like, you know, why not? Why not? See, I thought that they named it after Star Trek. Oh, what? No. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way. <laughs> anyway... Uh, so the producers paid about $7,800 per hour for the use of the planes for, like, fuel and all that other kind of stuff. Um, 
just for like stuff that they specifically asked to film. Um, they actually were not charged for them just filming like normal everyday activities. Mm-hmm. And uh, turns out, believe it or not, that's mostly what the shots in the film are. It's like just them filming day to day shit just for like, you know, B-roll. Mm, I see. You're talking about like the flight stuff or the ground stuff or both? Like the flight stuff. Oh, okay. So they just put another plane in the air with cameras on it and watch the planes do regular stuff. Correct. Just so that way they could get some shots because like if they if they planned and meticulated like every single ounce of those planes flying, it would have been way too expensive. Like no one would have made this movie. Yeah, no. I mean, it's honestly not surprising. I'm honestly, you know what? I take it back. I am kind of surprised that they were able to do this like $7,800 per flight hour for an f-14 now i have to assume that that is in 1986 dollars yeah it would be closer to like sixteen thousand today okay that makes a little bit more sense because i mean again coming from the industry uh first off they measure fuel in pounds because they have to calculate all the takeoff weight and stuff uh these things burn hundreds of pounds per hour of jet fuel oh i don't doubt it yeah um and that's even more exemplified by this uh the iconic scene of the plane flying into the sunset was planned but due to a commanding officer changing the flight pattern at the last minute, the lighting and scope of the shot were off. Mm. Uh, Tony Scott asked if they could film the scene again, and the commanding officer said it would be an additional $25,000, which would be closer to $69,000 today. And uh, because they needed the shot, he wrote him the check right then and there. Wow. Wow. And what did that buy them? An absolute whopping additional five minutes of filming. And, you know, when you have a movie that, like, leans so heavily into the fact that you're flying a fighter jet, I guess five minutes of, of footage is kind of important. Right. It doesn't seem like a lot. Like, if you were just filming it on your iPhone just to film it, that would be a lot of money. Yeah, but sure. For a movie that you're probably going to make the money back on, eh, I guess it's a safer bet. It just sounds like a lot of money. Do you think maybe that's what they've done with the new Top Gun movie? They just, like, tape a bunch of iPhone 13 Maxes to the jet? I mean, they probably could. That's I mean, it makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Filmed on the iPhone 12. Jesus Christ. It wouldn't shock me. It would not shock me. Um, Moving on. Scott Altman, a future NASA astronaut, filmed a lot of the F-14 shots, including being the person who flipped off the MiG. Ah, that's nice. That's nice. And, you know, I guess behind (laughs) the mask and helmet, it's kind of hard to tell who's who. Exactly. Like, I mean, if as long as he's not like, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way, but as long as he's not like much larger than Tom Cruise, like we'll buy it as the audience. Even if it's like we know it's probably not Tom Cruise, like we buy it. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Speaking of which, uh, the MiG planes were actually uh, Northrop F-5 planes. Yeah, um, I've seen some of these in person before, believe it or not, air show type stuff. Really? Yeah, uh, in fact, the two-seat variety is really rare, and I don't know how many of them are made, but I have seen a few of those too, which makes me think that there's a chance that maybe, just maybe, I saw one of the planes that got used in this film. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they saved them. Yeah, no, I mean, I'd say... They're still out there, you know, they're, they're, there's there's plenty of them. Still rocking, still rolling, still flying. Danger zone. Right. Anyway. <laughs> imagine imagine so, if they would have gone to a Soviet country and we're like, hey, we're filming a movie. Can we get some shots of your MiGs? <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to some admittedly more somber material. Uh, so Art Scholl was an aerial acrobat hired to do stunt work for the film. 
uh, he was filming a flat spin and unfortunately actually lost control of the plane and crashed into the Pacific Ocean. Uh, the aircraft and his body were never recovered. You know, it's crazy because a lot of these um, a lot of these high performance aircraft have spin recovery features now. So a modern jets so, like have a thing specifically in there where if it goes into a flat spin, which is what's happening, it's what's happening when they have to eject. Um, it, the jet can actually automatically correct itself to give you an edge because it's so hard to kind of control the aircraft when it's falling like that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's pretty much impossible. Like, how do you do it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he did get the film um, dedicated to him, but I mean, it's still not worth it. Just that's that's awful. I feel bad for him. If only they would have made this movie a little bit later. <laughs> Maybe they would have had those things. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Uh, so Carrie McGillis had already moved on to her next film, Made in Heaven, and dyed her hair brown when they called her for reshoots on Top Gun, which is why she wears a ball cap in some scenes. That's nice. That's nice. Just put a hat on. That's a bad hair exactly. day classic. Exactly. Exactly. Um, another thing I found interesting uh, was a lot of different people were supposed to record Danger Zone other than Kenny Loggins. Uh, the only one that got closest to it was the band Toto. So we almost had Toto doing Danger Zone. Have you ever seen that video where David Blaine goes to Harrison Ford's house and he does the, the card trick and Harrison Ford just looks at him and says, get the fuck out of my house. Yes, that, I have seen this that's video. That's how I felt when you said Toto was supposed to record Danger Zone. <laughs> What's weird is like, it's such an iconic song and I couldn't imagine anyone else singing it other than Footloose Man. Footloose but he was Man. actually like... <laughs> When I think Kenny Loggins, I first think Footloose, oh, to be okay. honest with you. Uh, is he not um, also the, oh, that's Kenny Rogers, know when to hold him, when to fold him. Correct, correct. Yeah, no, that is not Kenny Loggins. Or I Kenny think Kenny Chesney. Loggins switches. A Kenny Chesney one would have been fun, too. It's got that uh, that, that southern uh, Gulf Shores vibe. <laughs> I don't. I think Kenny Chesney was probably four years old when this movie came out. Mm, we'll have to ask him. Uh, they could have had him, like that Mason Ramsey yodeling vine kid. Jesus Christ, I don't want to talk about that child anymore. I thought he was gone, but he shows up on TikTok every once in a while, and I'm like, God fucking damn it. <laughs> anyway, uh, one last thing that I found interesting is uh, the Kansas City barbecue in San Diego was used as the bar in the film. Uh, they had a shit ton of memorabilia from the movie in the restaurant, which I don't know why they didn't just call it the Top Gun bar at that point. Yeah. But they even still had the piano. Um, unfortunately, there was a kitchen fire in there in 2008 that destroyed much of the original building. However, the piano remained unharmed and is still at their new location. Wow. Hey, may have to go so down you and uh, check that out. <laughs> so you, too, can go ruin a nice family Saturday by singing uh, Jerry Lewis songs. Wonderful. That's exactly what I want to do when I go to San Francisco. I mean, San Diego. Exactly. Make sure you bring along your wife, Meg Ryan. Yes. Uh, um, go fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> go fuck yourself, San Diego. Um, so let's talk about the release of this film. Uh, the film premiered in New York City, as we said, on May 22nd, 1986. And it also had a second premiere screening in San Diego on May 15th, 1986. So it was a more improper one. Um, weird that Top Gun can have their premiere in San Diego, but Anchorman can't. Right? Again, go fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> go fuck yourself, Anchorman. Um, so the film stayed at number one at the box office yeah. for six straight weeks, despite having middling to unfavorable reviews. Hmm, interesting. I wonder why that is. 
I mean, the story is just not good. Like the movie is like, like the air. It's like I said, like the aerial shots are cool, but the film is mostly story, and the story is bullshit. You, you mean to tell me that they could not sell with Tom Cruise's hard, hard body a movie that showcases so much wonderful, wonderful flying, and not milk at least three stars from Roger Ebert? Jesus Christ, no. <laughs> This movie is bad. It's bad. Like, it's not It's not a great movie. Like, they spent a lot of time, and I'm sure a lot of people spent a lot of, like, their artistic mind on this, and I'm not trying to disparage that. I'm just saying that this is a not, like, a very well-written movie. Mm. Well, I mean, they built, they wrote the movie based on a newspaper article, or a magazine article, so that's a new one for me. <laughs> right. All right, let's talk about the home video release because this one actually kind of has an interesting history. The VHS came out on March 10th, 1987, and it was actually the first VHS to be priced as low as $26.95 because VHS tapes used to be expensive as fuck. They they would be like anywhere from like $50 to like $100 sometimes. Oh, why? Because a lot of studios didn't want VHS to become a thing. So it was like, okay, this is a premium product. You're going to pay us a lot of money to be able to watch this movie whenever you want, because like we're not getting the re-release money. We're not getting like, you know, the the drive in money off of this anymore, because if everybody has a VHS player, what's the fucking point? Yeah. And now they know they can just stream it straight into your house and ruin your life. (laughs) Exactly. You, too, can watch the incredibly dark filtered Batman movie. That's three hours long for no reason. On your and you'll iPhone watch it. mini in your bed, eating chips. Exactly. What a world it's come to. <laughs> David Lynch was right. Why would you um, watch anyway. it on a phone? I better watch it on my <laughs> Game Boy Advance uh, freaking uh, game cartridge. <laughs> like the SpongeBob episodes. Um, I don't know if I ever sent it to you, but back when uh, Tenant came out, uh, the... Um, Christopher, the most recent Christopher Nolan movie, mm-hmm. uh, he was he was making a big stink about how, like, nobody should see this unless it's in a theater. And so someone was like, hey, fuck you, and, like, down-converted it to, like, GBA. Oh, no. And put it on to, like, it had to fit on, like, seven cartridges. <laughs> 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 because it was so distorted, he could put the whole thing on YouTube because it's unrecognizable. <laughs> the algorithm can't even parse it out that it's a movie. <laughs> that's fucking awesome that's so funny (laughs) i love the internet sometimes like yeah they are ruining our lives by streaming like rugrats into our brain but like it's it's got its moments i love the internet never go away anyway back to this vhs tape uh this was actually the best-selling videotape in the industry at that point it sold 1.9 million copies in pre-orders alone mm. and went on to sell about 2.9 million copies total. So there were more pre-order copies than actual proper sale copies. Correct. That's... I mean, like, by the, by that point, that, that's the whole market. Like, everybody had this movie. They could have done the thing they did with the uh, E.T. Atari video game cartridge and make way too many of them and then have to bury them out in the desert. So, like, I'm, I'm glad they took a pre-order instead of just making... However many people were, I'm going to guess 250 million people were in the U.S. at this point. So that's just that's just right. a bold-faced guess. Just make 250 million copies in advance, knowing that everyone will want to buy Top Gun on VHS. Exactly. And it's like, this was at a time when, like, home video was still kind of like a new market. 
this was this was this kind of predates Blockbuster a little bit. Yeah, like Blockbusters be- were around, but they weren't like ginormous like they became. Yeah, get your pinky out Betamax version. <laughs> oh no! What about the laser disc? The laser disc. Actually, Top this did, this didn't have a laser disc. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Top Gun was released on DVD on October twenty first, nineteen ninety eight. It was a it was one of those weird dual disc ones where it's like got disc on one side and disc on the other side. And that was for wide and full screen, which was very common at the time, and it's still nasty. It's still nasty. Um, like you can you can smell a DVD that has a full screen in it. I just don't know why people would want it. It's disgusting. Anyway, a special a second special edition DVD was put out in two thousand four. It came to Blu-ray in two thousand eight. It had a very rare three D Blu-ray in twenty thirteen, and then a four K UHD blu-ray in 2020 and that's the one i have and even though i don't like this movie i do have to say it looks fantastic i see so uh we don't have a video now release we don't have a hit clips release we don't have a tooth tunes release of top gun <laughs> imagine if they had tooth tunes they could just put movies into your brain that's basically what they would do i think they could at least put a danger zone toothbrush for people that are just really into the whole experience <laughs> Feel the G-Force. Feel the danger zone. Oh, my tooth God. Tooth. <laughs> it's a rush. <laughs> Good Lord. The sweet boys of Kenny Loggins to- every time I'm brushing my bicuspids. <laughs> it's an August rush. No, that's, they can't do another <laughs> August rush bit. <laughs> We're not doing that again. We're just going to have to cover that movie. I've never seen it. Have anyway, you not? It'll um, be just like this because I have actually seen all of August rush. <laughs> How have you seen all these dumb fucking movies, <laughs> You say all these dumb fucking movies to cover what? Top Gun and The Toxic <laughs> Avenger and August Rush. <laughs> the Toxic <laughs> Avenger is a masterpiece. You shut your mouth. Yeah, but I saw um, it before you did. I still don't know how that happened. Anyway, let's talk about the legacy of this movie so we can get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, so on February 8th, 2013, a 3D conversion of the film was shown in IMAX theaters for six days. Um, this movie spawned many, 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 many fucking video games, like, all the way up until now. I think, like, the most recent one came out in, like, 2015. Wow. Like, just an absolute dick shit ton of video games. Um, <laughs> another interesting thing that I saw, uh, bomber jackets and Ray-Ban sunglasses sales went up 40% because of this movie. I think that's going to happen again after the new one comes out. Wow. Um... <laughs> New enlistments for the Navy went up by 500%, and uh, almost all of them that joined wanted to become aviators. None of them did. If you think any of that is an accident, you are 105% wrong. They knew exactly what they were doing when they greenlit this movie, and they got to give their own feedback, and they got to be a part of all that. Yeah, no, it's a recruiting effort. It is, at the very least, a small part of recruiting effort. Good lord, it's it's just advertisements, it's all goddamn advertisements. Every movie is just Space Jam New Legacy. My life is a shamble, it's a lie. Yeah, just like how, um, what was it, um, You've Got Mail was a recruiting thing for the CIA. Or was that the I would have went. I would have went AOL first, but go off, King. Oh yeah? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Alright, so, um... This is an this is another one, John. It was selected for preservation in the National Archives in 2015. Whoa! This movie this movie will be preserved longer than our unnatural bodies. I like it. I like it a lot. I like how it's in there with Shrek <laughs> and Clerks. I 
it's so good i i love how this uh got selected to encapsulate like what is culturally and aesthetically relevant to the american life and it's top gun and i think it's what we deserve what about the toxic avenger why can't the toxic avenger be in the national archives because lloyd kaufman would never shut the fuck up about it (laughs) you're right about that no you are right about that we love you lloyd come on the show please (laughs) all right and of course let's talk about the whole reason we're here doing this this whole gross corporate synergy maybe you get some more views thing we're doing here uh, there is a sequel titled Top Gun Maverick coming out today when this episode airs, May 26th. Yep, go get it while it's hot. I don't know, like, because, like, there's two movies coming out that I want to see. I don't know if Top Gun Maverick's going to be my, like, top pick if I can only see one. Yeah, but how are we going to cover it if you don't watch it? That's true. I guess I am going to have to go see it. If I'm going to go see it, though, I'm going to go see, like, the maximum version I can. Like, I think there's, like, a imax 3d like shuffle seat thing like a couple miles down the road for me so i might go see it in that that's fun do they put you in the flight gear do they put you in a helmet so you can see it like the visor of the helmet is like the imax glasses god i hope so how how soon is it gonna be that they're just gonna put fucking like oculus quest goggles on you oh man they when you go to the movie theater imagine though you could just see the movie from a person's it's like hardcore henry you're describing hardcore henry so I'm going to I'm going to discuss something controversial here. Oh, yeah. As long as you have nice headphones, watching a movie on the Oculus is actually not a bad way to go, because especially if they have it like an augmented reality, like where you're in a movie theater, or you're in your home. It's not 4K quality, but it's probably better than what you have. It's better than the Danger Zone tooth tunes. It's definitely better than that. Oh, so. Being that it is, we are on Top Gun Day, it is Top Gun Maverick Day, forever and always, national holiday, bank holidays, uh, fast food workers, you still gotta work Top Gun Maverick Day, I'm sorry. How else are we gonna sell Uh, the uh, special Maverick firecracker burrito at um, Taco Bell? That sounds more like a Del Taco thing to do. Taco Bell would never sell out on me like this. You don't think Taco Bell would sell out on you like that? I know Taco Bell would sell out on me like that, but I need them to bring back the grilled stuffed nacho like they brought back the mexican pizza bring back the grilled stuffed nacho coward it's not that hard bring cowards. back the grilled stuff you have cowards. all the stuff back there just make it for me just make it for me so i can stuff it down my stupid face go ahead and slap tom cruise's face on it just like they did with the travis scott burger jesus christ anyway since it it since it is the holiest of american holidays it is top gun maverick day we have a special surprise. Ooh, what is John, it? John, would you... Well, we, or well, I should say John, happens to have some inside information about the Top Gun Maverick movie. John, why don't you tell him about it? You know, we're actually really excited to have uh, another friend of the show on. Uh, his name's Josh. Uh, he actually had a hand in uh, some of the work on Top Gun Maverick, and um, he'll be talking to me about kind of his experience working with the movie, uh, his experience actually in the United States Navy working in aviation, and uh, we'll get you some really cool inside stuff on that. So I'm actually really excited to bring that to you. I'm very excited, too. Uh, I was unfortunately not able to be part of the interview process, but... I've heard stories, and I'm very excited to listen to it. Uh, That should either be coming out along with this episode or the next day. So you're getting two episodes this week to not listen to, Mom. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so 
I'm gonna go ahead and let you go over to that. I'm gonna let you guys go from here. So for four year inflammation, I'm Zach. And I'm John. All right, watch a new movie this week. Probably Top Gun Maverick, but you know, if you if you can go see two movies, why not go see the Bob Burgers movie? Uh, not sponsored, but uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that as well. Should be. All right, <laughs> should be, should be sponsored. I mean, why not? Like they're going up against Top Gun Maverick. They should at least sponsor us. All right.